Stage Door Sessions by Broadway Direct. In this podcast, we have in-depth conversations with Broadway's brightest, bringing you what's new, what's noteworthy, and what's coming next to a stage near you. I'm your host, Elisa Gardner, and this season we'll be looking at how the Broadway community is coping in the wake of COVID-19. The coronavirus hit New York hard just as the 2019-20 season was reaching its busiest period for openings, and what was at first supposed to have been a pause of several weeks turned into what's shaping up to be a roughly year-long hiatus. We'll be speaking with some of the artists and insiders who have had to persevere after specific projects were delayed and who have sought to keep connected to fans and to each other. Our guest today is Derek Klenna, who until the COVID shutdown was playing overachieving teenager Nikhili in Jagged Little Pill, the acclaimed Broadway musical inspired by and featuring the music of Alanis Morissette and Glenn Ballard, with a book by Diablo Cody and direction by Diane Paulus. Derek originated the role of Nick in the show's premiere at Cambridge's American Repertory Theatre. Derek's previous Broadway credits include roles in The Bridges of Madison County, Wicked, and Anastasia, where he introduced the part of Dimitri. While off-Broadway, he was the original Eddie Birdlace in Benj Pasek and Justin Paul's Dogfight, and also played Tommy Ross in a 2012 production of Carrie. His regional credits include world premieres of Unknown Soldier at Williamstown Theatre Festival and Diner at Arlington Signature Theatre. On screen, Derek has been on Law & Order, SVU, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Blue Bloods, The Code, and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, among other programs and series. Thank you so much for joining us, Derek. How are you? Are you safe and well, I hope? I am. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my wife and I are in New York now. We were just in California for about three weeks visiting our families. Mine's in Southern California. Hers is in Northern California. So it's good to be back in the city. And and settling back into uh, the swing of things here uh, uh, on the Upper West. Yes, good. And the families are all yeah. good as well? Yeah, they are. When we were there, you know, uh, California has been experiencing some um, incredible fires. Uh, but luckily, both our families have stayed safe and well and haven't had to evacuate. But um, yeah, it's definitely a scary time uh, in California right now. So our hearts go out to everybody living through that Um but yeah, our, our fam- we're very lucky that our families are safe. And oh, yeah, there's there's that as well. Good. I'm, I'm glad everyone's safe. Yeah. Um, well, take us back a bit to March when it was announced that Broadway productions were going to be shut down for about a month at that point. That would, of course, be extended a number of times. But what were those first days and weeks like for you and the cast and crew of, of Jagged Little Pill and, and your colleagues, for that matter, in the theater community? You know, it was... I mean, obviously, it's unprecedented. None of us thought this would ever it would ever get to this before this extended shutdown. Broadway had only closed for two days, I believe, around the events of nine eleven. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, Broadway has been relentless through time. So, you know, when when January and February were happening, and we had heard um, global news about the COVID pandemic and, and how it may be stretching across the world from China. Like, you know, we never thought that it would, that Broadway would be shutting down and it would take over the world like it has. So um, I remember Catherine Gallagher coming up to me a couple weeks before Broadway ended up shutting down. And she was like, I think this is going to be kind of crazy and a big deal. And I remember being like, no, it's fine. You know, Broadway's never shut down. Um, so it's just kind of crazy that now here we are. Um, actually th- three days before the shutdown, I was out of the show for a few days. I actually did have COVID. 
Um, I didn't know at the time there were so many unknowns around the disease, the symptoms, you know, all we were getting were rumors and, and, and news reports about what had pe- people had been experiencing, but it definitely took the Broadway community by storm. We're definitely a profession and a community that it's, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to be in close quarters and close contact with your colleagues and with the audience members. So, um, I did. I missed three performances leading up to the shutdown and then found out that weekend that I did in fact have COVID. And then half our company actually ended up coming out and, and experiencing symptoms and, and many test positive uh, for COVID in the, in the coming weeks. So it was, it was definitely scary at first. I think it was, um, I, I'm very lucky and, and a lot of our cast members are very lucky. We didn't have any severe symptoms. Everybody um, got through the disease. It came and went. but. Um, it was it was definitely a shock. We kind of were coming into unknown territory with very little information, um, you know, like like the world and and every other profession. So our producers and our company have been pretty incredible with trying to keep the cast connected. Uh, they have weekly Zoom meetings that we chime on here and there to connect and stay and stay um, united as a company and as a Broadway community as a whole through so many political and social uh roller coasters over the over the past few months um so kudos to to our team we have we have incredible leadership and we're really excited to bring this show back into the world after after this year you know whenever broadway is able to resume because i feel like given the events over the past year our show is going to be more relevant and more needed now more than ever um so we're really proud about the product that we were able to bring to the Broadway community for three months be- leading up until the shutdown and are very excited to return when, uh, when everything is safe. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you all recovered. I, I know the theater community was hit pretty hard because it is such a tight knit community. It's such a collaborative art form, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. I've been hearing a lot about people who were affected. I'm, I'm glad you're all safe and well now. And I, I know the musical has mm-hmm. tried to keep fans engaged on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, sign up on the show's official site to be part of the jagged little community and stay connected this way through social media. So to what extent have, have you and the cast been involved with that personally and connecting with fans through your own accounts as well. Uh, last time I checked, you had about 33,000 Twitter followers and 124,000 on Instagram. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, the, the support from the fan base has been incredible. Us as the cast, we've been, we've been putting out our music out into the world. We did a collaborative music video uh, for Smiling that Alanis Morissette put on her most recent album. So that was really cool to do this. Uh, City Larby, um, our choreographer, had this idea of... of bringing the cast together and having everybody film these little snippets of us doing a type of like interpretive dance revolving around this song and, and uh, to, to use the emotions and all of the feelings that we had been, you know, (laughs) feeling around the, the pandemic and around the shutdown and, and translate it into like this, this art piece. Um, Alanis ended up being a huge fan of what City Larby was trying to do, and she wanted to collaborate as well and be a part of the project. So it ended up turning out to be this very, very cool edited piece um, that we put out into the world, and that Alanis was a part of. So that was an, that was one um, example of of us coming together and still trying to stay creative and and um, keep our show and the music, especially at the forefront. Um, and then you know we've we've been involved in, in various events, just trying to stay uh, relevant in in any 
Broadway centric uh, community events. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's still lots to come. Um, there's lots kind of in, in the in the works that we that we're excited to kind of put out in the world. So yeah. That's great. And it's also true the theater community has generally remained active online through everything from public service announcements to virtual performances, a number of benefits. And you've called attention to concerns that have become prominent in recent months, like racial justice. I know you tweeted on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Has that helped sustain you and, and keep you sane during this crazy time as well? Yeah, I think there's a responsibility to our community, especially that prides itself on being inclusive and um, and open to any and all. Um, so I'm I'm happy to be a part of um, a part of the movement and to be a part of Broadway um, Broadway for Racial Justice. And I think that inclusivity and um, racial, sexual, political diversity in, in all aspects of, of what we do is, is extremely important. So I'm always, you know, on board to, to put that message forward and to keep striving for, for change throughout the community, because I think it is going to be beneficial for, for all parties. And it's very important. Yeah. And that's, you know, that kind of in- inclusivity is, is addressed in uh, Jagged Little Pill. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, maybe you can tell us a bit about it and, and how it addresses issues that have gotten more attention in recent months and years, even during COVID. Is that part of what drew you to the project? I, I think so, definitely. Um, I've been, I was a part of the development of the project. I was a part of the very first reading. So I've gotten a chance to see all the different iterations of this of this piece and, 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 and how we got to the, the final product, which was our, you know, our opening night performance. Um, and yeah, so it is, it's a very, it's very important. We've, we've often got criticized because of the amount of social and political subject matter and controversial subjects or polarizing subjects throughout our show. But we, we also pride ourselves on that. I think our Diablo Cody, our writer has, has been asked that question in the past, you know, why did you choose to put so many issues and so many topics in this show? It seems like there's just a lot. And she said, I wrote a modern story about around a modern family that takes place in today's political and social environment. So yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to avoid all of these topics, whether it be gender identity, all, all types of abuse, sexual, um, drug abuse, addiction, um, my character particularly, the, the, the pressure that our young society and our young students have put on them to succeed at, at the highest level all the time. You know, the, the competitive lands, landscape around students selecting colleges and getting into schools just keeps getting harder and harder. So we, we definitely address a lot in our musical but what we also try to put forward is there's just a lot happening in our world right now and it feels like an injustice not to address all these topics and not to shed the proper light on them and to give the importance where it's needed so in that way it was our show was relevant extremely relevant in december of 2019 when we opened and it's going to be even more relevant when we come out of this after such a historic year. So that that's we're excited about, and it's a it's an it's a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous privilege to be able to 
present this iconic music with this new narrative to audiences every night. And um, we'll be ready for that connection when, when the time comes. Yeah. And you're working, of course, with, uh, as you mentioned, and I mentioned a number of really high profile talents with diverse backgrounds on this show. Mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette, Diablo Cody, uh, Diane Paulus, whose Broadway productions have included really exhilarating revivals of progressive and youth-driven musicals like Hair and Pippin. What's your Mm -hmm. experience been like with them and and what has their interaction been like with each other and with the cast? Uh, I think one of the, one of the greatest, um, the greatest aspects of this process as a whole is how collaborative it has been. Very rarely do you get to be a part of a company and a production that is so open to ideas, open to everyone's um, input our creative team, you know, this is Diablo, Diablo's first, you know, play script, um, you know, that's, that's written for a, a onstage performance. And so she has been very open about that. And she's been very open to, to feedback and, and making sure we all feel comfortable. And so that has been really rewarding to get new material, be able to read it at the table with, with such incredible minds like, you know, Diablo and Diane and City Larby and, and Tom Kitt and Alanis and hash out these scenes, be able to give honest feedback that will benefit us and benefit the company and then have that be taken seriously and then incorporated into the show. So the fact that they've given us that ownership and allowed that kind of feedback throughout the entire process is a huge gift. And I think it, um, it just goes along with the message of our show and, and, um, you know, everybody having a voice and everybody being taken seriously uh, during the process, because we touch on so many, you know, said issues or different topics in our show, we we met with uh, various members of like community organizations to talk about, um, to, to make us more informed about some of the topics that we were addressing, like um, gender identity, like sexual and, and uh, abuse and drug abuse. So I think that was very important to prepare us to handle interactions with certain audience members that were touched you know, severely by some of the subject matter that we were going through. So I, I thought that was really important that they really put the importance on making sure that we were knowledgeable and informed about the subject matters that we were talking about. And uh, yeah, it, it's a dream team of a group. And we do have such a diverse, amazingly talented cast. And it's, it's kind of been a trickle down effect starts at the top. And everybody at the top has been so generous and so creatively open. It's, it's been a great journey. Yeah, I imagine you have also gotten some really uh, intense audience feedback. Yeah, all of the feedback or the the response that we've gotten post performance has been extremely positive. Uh, we have people that reach out, especially to Catherine Gallagher uh, after the show, because her character specifically goes through a sexual uh, assault. She's a victim of rape in our show, and so we have a lot of people that have dealt with that in their personal lives. That that connect to that character and connect to Catherine's performance. So um, her, Elizabeth Stanley, who deals with some drug addiction in the show, we have a lot of people that come up to them at the end of the shows and, and, you know, thank them for their portrayal and thank them for, for shedding light on such a serious topic. So it's been very rewarding to know that we're touching people in that way and that people are moved and are affected by 
the the music and the words that we're that we're sending out, and I think it will only be more impactful when we do return. So it's it's been a, it's been an incredible ride, and we're really proud of what we're doing. Yeah, and it's uh, one of the shows from the past season that is eligible for this year's Tonys, which were of course delayed and therefore can't represent a number of shows that were supposed to have opened or that only opened recently when the shutdown happened. Um, what right. what's the feeling about the awards that are now set to be given out in a digital ceremony in the fall. Do you think that will be a bittersweet occasion or an opportunity to galvanize the community for next year or, or both maybe? I think the Tonys represent a celebration of the season's performances and how Broadway progresses year to year. And I feel like by excluding half of the or, you know, having half the shows that weren't able to open and therefore aren't eligible for this immediate season is tough and not quite a representation of the entire Broadway landscape as a whole. I would love to have one big like two or three year Tony extravaganza down the road Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we get closer to Broadway reopening. So therefore, it can be a true celebration of, you know, the past, how and how Broadway has overcome the events of the past six months and maybe the next year. So I, I hope that it does get even pushed out a little bit further so that we are able to celebrate with more companies and with more shows and that we are able to use the Tony Awards as a springboard to to give our production as well as other Broadway productions that that kind of momentum to, to get off the ground again because our producers are... Um, amazing and trying to do all they can to to make sure that our shows are ready to reopen again and, and that we all feel really good about it. So I, I hope that the Tonys do get even pushed back even further so that we are able to use it as kind of a springboard um, and and celebrate properly. Because yeah. I think it's it's such a it's such it's an event that we all dream to be a part of. And the fact that our show is going to be a part of it is incredible. But um yeah, I hope that we're able to celebrate it properly. Well, that's very generous. Wanting more competition, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I totally, I, mean, I, I totally see what you mean. That's, that's, at, at this year, yeah. it's like it kind of does put things into perspective. Even though you have shows that are so successful, you have shows that maybe aren't as successful. You have shows that haven't got off the ground yet. Shows that have less funding or more funding. Mm-hmm. This year has kind of like leveled the playing field in a way, at least in my mind. And it, it, it puts into perspective what really is important, why we do what we do. And it is to offer an escape for people who come to see these performances and then hopefully change their perspective or give them something to think about walking out of the theater. We all do the same thing. So the more that that can be celebrated, the more that we can like come together as a community you know, regardless of how many nominees there are, how many people are competing for the single spots, I think this year has kind of made that less relevant and more relevant that we all, the most amount of us can can stand together as one and really make this a statement piece. I think it's important. I think that if we if we move too abruptly into a Tony Awards that excludes so many and is limited to so few, I think it you know. I, I think we can we could we could represent Broadway. I, I think a little stronger. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Well, like I said, very generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with with that, on that note, um, let's talk about you a little bit about your journey into theater. Uh, you've done a lot in a short time. Uh, you're still like late twenties, am I right? I am. Yes. Yep. Almost yep. almost twenty nine. 
Almost 29, just starting out. Um, And I've gleaned that as recently as high school, you divided your time on stage with baseball. And you spoke in one interview I read about wanting to play Joe Hardy in Damn Yankees. And that made me think of Bob Fosse, uh, who staged the musical numbers for the original Damn Yankees, because he was apparently this all-American boy in high school who led a bit of a double life dancing in burlesque clubs at night. Um, I realize that that's not your story. Um, (laughs) Unless there's a part of your story, I don't know. No. Uh, <laughs> but was it in any way a weird duality being both this athlete and a theater kid who was doing theater, you know, professionally early on? Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a high school musical upbringing. I was constantly going back and forth between sports in high school and and doing big river at the local dinner theater or Joseph with one of the children's theaters that I grew up doing. So my whole life was going back and forth. And luckily I had very supportive parents. I do have very supportive parents that gave me those opportunities to pursue both. My, my dad was often the coach of my soccer and, and baseball team. So that made it a little easier to have to run directly off the baseball field into my mom's car and then jammed to a production of Sound of Music at the local dinner theater and, uh-huh. and you know, to make it by curtain. So that was like, that was an often occurrence of, of when I was growing up. But um, I, I'm super lucky to have had those opportunities. I think staying well-rounded and experiencing as much as you can from a young age and having those experiences is, is really important. It's made me who I am today. Um, and I feel like it's, uh, it's really added to my work ethic that, um, that carried over to me pursuing theater as a career. So yeah, it was very much a part of my life. I had a very, I had a lot of very intense conversations with, (laughs) with coaches or with directors about me having to maybe leave rehearsal or leave practice early or somewhat to, to accommodate the other. But I had a lot of great role models and coaches growing up that, that supported me in that. And I was, I was lucky, but yeah, yeah, definitely the, the, you know, the athlete theater kid for sure. Well, you know, dancers are athletes, uh, of course, but, but, you know, so I always hesitate to draw a line, but it is different groups of kids, different cultures. So that's, that's great that you were able to do both and that you had so much encouragement, um, from adults. Uh, that's, that's terrific. Well, uh, assuming that we do return to some degree of normalcy in the spring, whatever normalcy will be, um, or sometime next year, whatever, um, (laughs) Do you think you'll have taken anything positive away from this strange and uh, not very popular year that is 2020? Has it provided you with any learning experiences or time for reflection that could maybe affect your path ahead? Totally. First thing that comes to mind is my wife and I, we met in college. We're both California kids. And after I I moved to New York my junior year at UCLA, I I still haven't finished college. My mom lets me know. She's like, you should be taking classes right now. (laughs) It's like, mom, it's definitely, it's on the plate. It's definitely something I'll get to. Um, But then my my wife moved out to New York for an internship. We've been in New York now almost, gosh, almost 10 years. So this, over the past year, we've spent more time with our families than we have since we left for college, honestly. And I have a younger brother who's seven years younger than me. And I've brought this up a lot that like now getting to be with him as a, as a, as an adult and spend time with my parents and spend spend time with my grandparents and spend time with her family. It's been, um, something that we've never been able to do because of work or, or whatever. So that's been a huge takeaway this year and a huge plus. Also, 
in, in our industry, especially in the entertainment industry, it's always about the next thing and, and climbing this, this career ladder. And we never really get a chance to, I mean, even if we are employed, especially actors, you're always auditioning for the next thing. You're always looking out for that eventual unemployment. And, and at, during this year where everybody's kind of in the same boat, there is no career that is taking your attention. There is no ladder to climb. It puts things into perspective. What, what are the things that are important to me aside from my career? And that is like some amazing time that I've spent with my, my wife and my family. My wife works in the fashion industry. And when I'm in a show schedule, we don't ever get to see each other. And now she's been working at home for the past six months. And we've been negotiating the apartment to try to like make our both lives fit. But we've, we've spent more time together over the past eight months than we have in six years. So that's, that's been a huge plus. Um, it, it, it just takes the pressure off, I think, of having that career and always striving for the next best thing. And, and I, I think it will affect my career going forward. I think I will take into account my personal happiness and how a role or a production or an opportunity will, will add to my life's happiness rather than my career progression, if that makes any sense. Um, because, because we learned this year like that, all of that could, could stop, um, at the drop of a dime. And if you don't have other hobbies or, or other passions in your life or other things that make you happy that, you know, you're left kind of twiddling your thumbs, wondering what's next. So this has definitely been a great time to reflect, look at the choices I've made and the choices I want to make going further so that I can stay as fulfilled and as happy as I can be while also doing what I love. So it's, it's in a way it's been a, this year has been, yeah, that those are definitely positives that I've taken away from it. Um, do I want to be performing again and seeing the people <laughs> I love? Of course. Um, cause that is another thing that I love about the industry and that I think once we're back on stage, it's just going to be so emotional is because the reason I love theater and, and why it will always be my first love is because of that relationship that you have with your castmates, because of that, that connection you have with your audience members, because it is such an intimate and personal and um, collaborative medium that uh, you can't be replaced anywhere mm-hmm. else. It can't be replaced virtually. So that's why Broadway will always be special. That's why we'll be back. And um, I can't wait. When uh, I can't wait to uh, see everybody and share that that feeling with uh, the people in the room again. But um, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll just build off build off this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we certainly hope to see you back on stage soon. Uh, yeah, thank absolutely. you so much for joining us and having this conversation. And please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. This has been awesome. Awesome. And uh, stay safe as well. Thank you. And though theaters are dark, you can still get updates on Jagged Little Pill and join the Jagged Little community at the musical's official Broadway site, jaggedlittlepill.com. For all things Broadway and to find tickets to your next show, eventually, visit broadwaydirect.com. The podcast is produced by Broadway Direct and the Nederlander Organization with Iris Chan, Aaron Provaznik-Wagner, and hosted and produced by me, Elisa Gardner. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's only intermission, and we look forward to seeing you again on Broadway.